0: Hi there and welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Thursday morning, well, a little rainy, March 18th, 2021. He is Tristan H. Cockroft, happy that baseball games will soon count and he can officially win all his leagues. Kyle Sapi produces and researchers, and if you are not aware, Kyle is not only a fantasy baseball, football, and basketball expert, but he knows a lot about the NCAA tournament, and later on we will ask him. He's going to help you win your bracket, and you should join our Fantasy Focus Baseball bracket as well. I'm planning on doing it today. Um, Tristan, how are you? Today's show, more of the same, really. Tristan's columns, Tristan's trivia, Tristan's hash browns. It's all about you, Tristan, because the, the awesome listeners demand it. I haven't actually heard from any of the listeners, but I think they would demand more Tristan. They're happy, as the H says in your middle name, with more Tristan. Are you happy? You don't look happy.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm happy, but I'd be happier if w- the three of us weren't in the same bracket. Because then I could just ask Kyle to fill mine out, and I'd, I'd have a, I'd have a better chance.
0: <laughs> yeah, no Gonzaga winning it. I think I'm going to have Gonzaga winning mine. And Kyle wait,
1: wait, who doesn't have Gonzaga winning it?
0: Kyle doesn't even Gonzaga in the final four. But again, I don't want to give it away. I don't want to give it all away, but later in the show, he will tell you who is, well, he, I guess he can't tell you who's winning his bracket, but he'll tell you who's in his final four. Can we do that? I think we could do that.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I, want to, I want to hear that because I'll Gonzaga's tell you, not... not there. No zags. I, I know nothing about this, and I know that Gonzaga's got to at least be in the final four. Come on.
0: <laughs> Kyle literally zags when you zig or zigs when you zag or something like that. I like it. I like it uh i can't find a whole lot of news like i'm hoping there's going to be some well i don't want any injuries what news could there possibly be other than injuries essentially like i'm looking a little bit so far like at lineups and but i don't care about opening day starters um the fact that victor Robles might lead off or jose altuve that's awesome but it doesn't really move them up my list i'm not targeting or coveting or even thinking about either one of them Um, bobby witt jr of the royals that's kind of interesting let's start there Because I hadn't really thought about Bobby Witt Jr. in any drafts this season. Obviously, he's already rostered in your league in a dynasty or keeper. Um, Well, dynasty, maybe not a keeper. But um, Bobby Witt looks – he's hitting baseballs hard and far in spring training, but there's no context. I don't know which pitchers he's facing. Um, But there's a possibility he's the starting second baseman for the Royals in opening day because they don't really have a second baseman. Nicky Lopez is awful. so. Like, what could happen in the next week? Where would you put Bobby Witt Jr. in your rankings if the Royals say he wins a starting job to start the season? That's that's a good question, I think.
1: Yeah, that is a good question. I probably would rank him in the tier of mixed league middle infielders. Um, intrigued, but hesitant. And most of the hesitance comes to he's had nothing but rookie ball experience and then alternate site work last season. So we're going really off just uh, an exciting spring that was kind of capped by that, that towering, monstrous home run that he hit about 500 feet. Uh But yeah, it's, it's it's a very interesting development to hear that they would consider putting him in the lineup. I don't think it's happening, but yeah. yeah. What, what, I don't one either. Two, one, two get one
0: 200? I'm, I'm trying to, I'm looking at your rankings because they're better than mine. Like, would I take him over Tommy Edmond or Didi Gregorius, who you have going around 13 and 15, respectively? Paul DeYoung in round 19. I, I might. I mean, Bobby Witt should run. He should have power, even in that ballpark but he hasn't even played above rookie ball. So I feel like, why are we even discussing this guy? Like, why would the world's even do this? They're not, are they going to win the pennant this year? I, it just seems odd to me. Um, it's not, and They're not only, really, I guess we're selling tickets, but who knows how many, I don't know how many tickets they're actually trying to sell for the season, but I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking like, it's, it's, look, I rank Wander Franco above where you do. And I know he's not making the raise out of spring training, but I think he might he be already, up in. He already didn't.
1: Right. He already got cut. <laughs> June, maybe? Like
0: on the chance that Wander Franco plays four months, I might take him over, say, Tommy
1: Edmund or Didi Gregorius, although I probably wouldn't. (laughs) With wit, I don't think I would now. the, The Franco situation, is I liken to Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers in Boston, that Tampa's going to need to have Franco to contribute to a playoff push. And I think there's a very real path that could happen. So your June estimation... Seems about right. But, I mean, that could be May 1st, but it could also be he gets 50 at-bats this year.
0: Right. It's risky, especially in an ESPN league, which which is shallow because free agency is going to be so buoyant. I mean, like, like nobody's even drafting Willie Castro, who might bat third for the Tigers. Um, Andres Jimenez, who I know is on your don't draft list, but, um, you know, he might steal 25 bases. He's barely being drafted at all. Um, these are guys that are going to play at least whereas Witt may not play. So it comes down to what do you need for your fantasy team right now? Um, do you care about like the opening day starter stuff or any of the lineup stuff, or should we just move on?
1: The lineup stuff I care about. I was a little surprised that you dismissed Robles being the leadoff hitter. I think that do, that does add a little well, bit more benefit to him, but I know I'm more <laughs> pro Robles than you are. I know, um, and you wrote the- about it, and I,
0: and I still don't get it. Like he, if he doesn't hit baseballs hard, how is he going to get on base enough to do damage? And he didn't he's run hitting, last
1: yeah. uh, No, I agree with you. Now, one thing to keep in mind is that if he recaptures the speed that he lost last year, he's got the leg ability in order to beat out ground balls. So if he's a heavy ground ball hitter, he could still fuel that with batting average. I'm not going to project any sort of surprise in either batting average or on-base percentage for him, but I don't think it's going to be catastrophic like last year. And if he gets on base enough, let's say he does it at 325, recapturing that speed could mean a 35-40 steal season. And in that tier of the draft... I think he is going at a relative value. I, I like him better than some of the other options you're sinking into with 35, 40 steals. I mean, you can get as excited as you want about Roman Quinn probably getting a good chunk of the center field at bats. And I don't even know that's going to happen. I don't know why Roman Quinn's being drafted just barely after Victor Robles. I've seen that happen. And it's, it, I would not do that.
0: I can tell you exactly why. Um, it's because we project Roman Quinn to steal a lot of bases, which I'm not saying is wrong. I mean, Zola does a great job, but Roman Roman Quinn's terrible. And Roman Quinn's not playing, I don't think. I mean, I think their center fielder is going to be a guy who I won't name on this show who did not play last season but is looking good in the spring. But Roman Quinn's not stealing 20 bases, I don't think. I'm not even sure he's making the team. Um, there's a couple – people look in the ESPN, ESPN drafts, they look at projections at some point, and they say, oh, this guy's projected to steal this many bases or hit this many home runs, and they don't think about the context of the player overall, whether he's actually that's – that's a, that's a ceiling projection for these guys in, in some cases.
1: Well, so they look okay, at John so, Birdie. John Birdie is not, projected- not a ceiling. It's, it's more – it, Todd's goal is to get it near 50%. It's not the ceilings.
0: John Birdie is projected for 26 steals. That seems like a ceiling for me. (laughs) Doesn't it? You think he can steal more than that? You think he's going to play?
1: Yeah. So so one of the things in, in Todd's defense on that one is that Todd is very pro John Birdie. And I understand why he sees a lot of different avenues to playing time. He might be... Uh, skeptical – I mean, first of all, Isan Diaz looks like he's got the lead right now in that second base job. If he does, Birdie's going to have to probably carve out a little bit of time there. I think he's going to find a, a way to 450 at-bats. That's probably what Todd's looking at.
0: Again, nothing, I can't do projections like Todd does. He does it great. But I, that's why Roman Quinn is being drafted because of our ESPN fantasy projection. And you're right. I wouldn't even think about drafting Roman Quinn or Jared Oliva who's projected for more steals or even John Birdie. But Victor Robus in the middle rounds makes sense to me I just, I was burned. I looked at his numbers deeper and I'm like, why did I even do that? Um, That's my point. You're right. If he bats first, it's, it's a confirmation that the team believes in him. Um, with Altuve, obviously a little different. He was going to bat in the top third of the order either way. Texas, like, you know, we talked about Leotis Tavares on a recent show, and now it looks like he's going to bat eighth or ninth for the Rangers because he's having such a terrible spring. This is when spring training numbers matter, when a manager says, oh, you were going to lead off, and now you're going to we're going to dump you in the eighth or ninth or not even play you. You know, they can play somebody else in center field. They have a guy named what, uh, Eli White, who might win the center field job or, some, or Nick Solak again. Somebody's playing center field. It may not be Tavares at all now. I've got him ranked in the middle rounds and I feel ridiculous. So I moved him down on the last one because he may not even yeah. play as much as I thought. He's not stealing 25 bases if he can't hit. So lineups matter believe- there. Yeah.
1: Agreed that the bad uh, that that the bad performances, um, the other one that comes immediately to mind to me is Mitch Keller in the Pirates rotation battle. If you're trying to take a flyer on him for the upside we've seen in past seasons, he is getting hammered this spring. So these things are relevant because the managers might make the decisions strictly off the spring stats, and that's when those numbers do matter. Um, but with Tavares, yeah, you're right. I, I don't think that in the American League it's as catastrophic for a player like that to land an 8-9 spot in the lineup as compared to one, but it would be... Much more beneficial to be first in the lineup for Robles and the National League with a pitcher batting night that's hugely beneficial. I think there's a bigger divide between the two. But you're right. There's no reason to push Tavares if he is not hitting. There's no reason to expose him if he needs more development time in the minors. And that's the real concern.
0: One more piece of news here. The White Sox and Andrew Vaughn, uh, they're trying to sign him to a contract extension. And you know his agent is probably telling him, don't do that. This is like the Jared Kalnick situation with Seattle where the Mariners, and this shouldn't have been news. We shouldn't have found out about this, but because somebody couldn't stop talking, we did. So the Mariners tried to sign Kalnick to a long-term deal that, that would have ensured that he would win a starting job out of spring training. The White Sox are trying to do that with Andrew Vaughn. It would be at less than market value, probably, for the player. But then again, Scott Kingery can't play at all. He stinks. So he got a, a six year contract, and look at him. He would never have made that money if he hadn't signed that extension. So, but Vaughn is going to be good, and we think Kelnick's going to be good. They are not like Kingery. But the point here is if Andrew Vaughn wins a job out of spring training, I ask you the same question Do we rank him top 100 player? Because, you know, everyday DH for the White Sox batting six, we know he's going to hit. Well, we we knew we said we knew we we knew King was going to hit too and he hasn't. And there's other examples. Who so was that first baseman for the Whites uh, for the uh Astros traded from the Phillies couldn't stop smoking? Uh, Singleton. Jonathan Singleton. Right. I mean, that that's the same type of thing. So but uh, Andrew Vaughn just seems different. This is a top overall pick. He's going to hit. Like wouldn't you rank him ahead of like Christian Walker or I'm trying to think of first baseman of that ilk. Like, wouldn't you have to do that? I'm looking at your, let me look at your rankings.
1: I'm thinking the first two names that come to mind are Paul Goldschmidt on the high end. And on the lower end is Josh Bell. Where it's another example of, and I'd feel more, notably more optimistic in the corner infield pool. And part of that has to do with the the relative lack of depth of the position in that tier. Uh, I'd put him in that high end of corner infield as a first base. I think he might actually challenge where Bell is roughly in my rankings. And maybe I'm more optimistic about Vaughn. And again, this is with a promise of opening day play, which wouldn't shock me. Remember, you're saying it's not necessarily to the benefit of the player. Well, maybe it's not from a year over year perspective, but they did this with Eloy Jimenez, and I think they did it with another two. Did they do it with Luis Robert, too. They, I know they did yeah, with Jimenez. He's I thought Jimenez's was a decent deal for the player. Um, I, I don't have a problem with that. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see the White Sox do that. I like the aggressiveness.
0: I know, but you look at Acuna and Albies, and how could their agents tell them to do this? Like, Acuna and Albies, Acuna's contract should have been Tatisa's contract, and it's not. And it's because, you know, whatever, not my, not There's my no uh, way. area.
1: Yeah. With those players at that particular stage of their career, there is no way of knowing Scott. There was with Acuna. I, I disagree.
0: Acuna, we knew he was going to be a monster and he is a monster. And look, he's making a ton of money more than I'll ever make, but he could have gotten 300 million and he didn't. Vaughn's not going to get through. Vaughn's going to get like a, a, you know, a Kingery type contract right now, if he signs it.
1: And if he doesn't, he's going to the minor leagues. Baseball's I, messed I mean, up. Baseball is really I'm messed gonna, up. I'm going to readily admit that I didn't like the Acuna deal for him compared to some of these others, and I did like the Tatis one. So yes, we can pick and choose each individual one. And at the time, I remember saying I was surprised that he took that deal, but you never know what the player's thinking. You just don't. It's still a huge deal. It gives them the promise and Absolutely. guarantee of this. I, I just don't know. And I like the White Sox doing it. I like that. I like the teams that are aggressively pursuing these players.
0: I don't like the fact that they're saying oh, if you want to make the team, sign this below market deal. Otherwise, I don't you go like. to the minor yeah. leagues.
1: I yep. no other, don't like that.
0: What other sport or companies like this? What a joke. Moving on before I get fired, let's talk about some of the things you've written lately. Um, you wrote a 10 players to pass on at the current draft value story with a big picture of Cavan Biggio, who is the poster boy for the argument about not hitting baseballs hard and new baseballs are going to make him hit the ball only 300 feet, which he'll never hit a home run. And he's going to end up being – so underdrafted, I think. I haven't seen anything in the latest ADP, but um, it seems to me like I never expected him to hit over 250 to start with. But if he's a 2020 player, which I still think he can be, then he might be a value pick if he goes like number 100 overall. But you had Stra- Steven Strasberg on this list. I'd like you to discuss that because um, we probably
1: discussed this on the last show, but you thought he was being a little overdrafted to start with. Yeah, and I actually haven't changed the ranking on him knowing the injury situation so far because I think you had to be prepared for that. It's, and I put this number in there. He has averaged 24.5 starts per 162 Nationalist games since the beginning of 2015. So over half, a half decade plus, that's what, what he's averaging, an absence of roughly 8.5 starts per year. I mean, that that's an injury reputation. And the fastball wasn't quite as sharp two years ago as it was in previous seasons. My concern there would be that if it doesn't recapture its peak form to any degree, he's not quite the ace that he was. I like him a lot in that third, I guess I'd call it the third tier of starting pitchers, but it, how are we making the case that he belongs up with guys like Brandon Woodruff and Clayton Kershaw? I know that they also have the absence question, but I think the stuff is a little safer for the two.
0: I don't think anybody is making that case. Who would take who would take Strasburg over Kershaw for 2021? I don't know Anybody? No, nobody's rankings they that would do that
1: yeah i don't think they would but if they're drafting them closer to those two than where i have strasburg right now i'm out
0: what's the latest on Denelson nelson lamette is he even making their rotation out of spring
1: that's well, be I, i've heard real. for him is he's he's still working his way up and i haven't heard any definitive no on him being in the opening day rotation i just know that he's continuing to work his way back
0: because that would obviously change his ranking. There was one other name here. We'll go through a couple of your stories here and, and not pick them apart, but I mean, I think they're very interesting. Um, Rania definitely. He's on my list of being overdrafted. Um, Brian Hayes, that bad. But Andre Jimenez, for where he's being drafted, seems like fine. He's going in like round 20-something. I, I would argue to you that you can't put anybody on your overdrafted list after round 18. There's nobody that you're overdrafted. You can't overdraft... Dylan Carlson, you can't overdraft Wander Franco, you can't overdraft Andres Jimenez or Mitch Keller if they come after round 18 slash 20. Like, don't, don't you think that at some point it's worth taking a shot on a player in case they do what we think they could do? Jimenez can steal 25 bases in about 250, I think. I don't know, I think you think that as well. So do you see my point here? How 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 is a player overdrafted if he's coming after round 18 in a 23 round or 25 round draft?
1: Well, for one thing, you're taking the ESPN perspective, which I completely understand. I, I, I have got to open the door on this one. To a degree, I can't win on this list because the rankings in the game are based off of the rankings that I have here. So there's not a lot of wiggle room in terms of the ADP. I'm looking for guys that are 15 spots beneath where I have the rankings. And in Jimenez's case, I actually think he's going about right in ESPN drafts. It's the NFBC and the off-site drafts where he's being drafted pretty aggressively. And I've watched this happen in a couple of leagues where people are treating him like he's the new Victor Robles-ish type. He has 150 overall ADP and NFBC drafts in the month of March. He's at 150. To me, that's too soon. It is boring stolen bases with Jimenez. He doesn't do an awful lot to get on base. And I actually like your batting average projection. If that's what it is, he's the kind of guy I want at the 200 mark that ESPN drafters are showing right now. I think that is about right.
0: I think 200 is fair. We also had a a fantasy roundtable that was posted. I don't know when. And you wrote about Shohei Otani and the fact uh, that the question was about, are you buying the spring training buzz? Um, And I wrote about Vlad Guerrero because I'm lazy. But you wrote about Otani, who who looks great pitching, hitting, and all that. But you didn't put in there what you project for innings and slash plate appearances. That would that's what I want to know because I feel like I know what n- numbers he could produce based on the volume, but I don't know the volume. So what would you say? Give me a ceiling and then give me like a, an average. You know, like what do you think is like a baseline here for for innings and for plate appearances?
1: Yeah. So the average is going to be tough because my my my. Draft expectation is 104.50, and I think he's more likely to exceed the latter, the the times of the plate. Uh, the ceiling would probably be he gives you 125, 130 very good innings, and he gives you 500 PA's, and he's only capped at that just because if he's pitching that much, he's not going to be in the lineup on those days. The downside, however, is he gives you pretty much nothing on the mound, and that he's a you know, 475 PA, good but not great DH-only hitter. So I'm on board with the fact that he's borderline draftable on the low end. The problem I have is that the ADP trends, the drafting, uh, you know, other leagues that I've witnessed so far, are kind of undershooting his upside. And his upside really is that of a guy who could scrape the top 50 overall players, especially the way that we use him in our game. That's why I I brought him up there. It's just that I, I think the conversation is warranted that he's not a locked-in number 200 overall player, it very well might be he deserves to be going in the top 15 rounds of our drafts.
0: If you're in, I assume you still have some drafts to go. I know I do. And, you know, maybe from some marbles on the line or something like that. Um, Would you actually take Shohei Otani as the top 100 player? With something on the line? Nope. Yeah, I won't either. And and I'm sure that our detractors would say we're not aggressive enough. We're way too cautious. But I just – and and when I say, you know, air quotes, I don't want to deal with it, there's a lot there that I don't want to deal with. I, I, you know, in a weekly league, which most expert leagues are at this point, I think, um, it's just – if you don't know and he's pitching on Sunday and you have to make the decision on Monday Monday afternoon, like that's, that's a big risk there.
1: There's no greater context-driven player in all of fantasy baseball, however – and you mentioned the weekly situation, the other is we should just throw the number at it. I mean, you would mention the number two hundred on a previous show, which is very fair, considering the very steep downside. He was awful last year and gave you nothing on the mound. He would not have turned value on the two hundredth overall selection. But I think that we're not embracing the possibility that that what at least what I have witnessed from Otani this spring, shows that what we felt about him two years ago is still there. It just comes with a lot more known, proven risk. It's been put on paper for us since.
0: I have a closer report that was posted on Thursday. I did not write the headline, but it says, dare you draft. Do you dare draft Trevor Rosenthal? Obviously, you dare draft him. But the question is, do you dare draft him as a a borderline top five closer, or do you just ignore him based on – you know he's been up and down. This <laughs> has been a, a very erratic career. He could, I think, he could be the number one relief pitcher in all of fantasy. I, I, I could see him putting up Liam Hendricks' numbers this season in Oakland, replacing Hendricks. He also could miss half the season with, you know, an injury or th- walking everybody. God only knows what could happen to Trevor Rosenthal. Is there a bigger boom or bust relief pitcher than Rosenthal right now?
1: Hmm. Maybe and Kirby wrote, Yates.
0: Well, I would say. I guess we've seen what Yates can do, but I guess they're kind of similar in this. Like, the, you don't know what you're going to I get.
1: Think, I think the difference, and the reason I rank Yates over Rosenthal, and granted, it's not by much, is I think Yates is really a light switch kind of player where it's going to be he's healthy and amazing, or it's going to go pretty ugly in terms of the injury recovery. In Rosenthal's case, my worry is that he has shown times he's pitched through things or has not been at peak form. Did deal with the groin injury a little bit during spring training. And yesterday's game, yeah, okay, so it was – or was it two days ago? No, it was yesterday's. Um, Good, encouraging velocity. Yeah, it's the first game. Forgive him that. But it it wasn't like he was super sharp. So my concern is does the not-so-super-sharp Rosenthal show up during the regular season? I'm with you. I think he's a top-12 closer locked in. But I'm not ready to put him up in that top tier just yet. You're right that he has that upside though. I want to rank him right where I do
0: Yates, which is like five, six, seven and Presley. I don't I don't see why I wouldn't. Like Rosenthal was amazing last season and Kirby Yates didn't pitch. And we know what Yates did two years ago, and we know what Rosenthal did two years ago. Why are we trusting the this this is the inverse of what people normally trust? You we have this argument a lot on the show where you count on most recent numbers more than I do. In the case of Yates versus Rosenthal, it's the opposite everybody's drafting Yates before Rosenthal based on two years ago and not last year. Rosenthal was one of the best. He was the number four relief pitcher on our player Raider. And even that was misleading because he didn't have enough, as many wins as like Brad Hand. He would have been better than him. If you take, you know what? Our player Raiders should not account for wins for closers because it ends up ranking guys ahead based on the luck of the win, which I don't like. Like Raisel all He'll just win more games because he'll be used more in the eighth inning. Like, I don't know. I, I, I use the player Raider for what it is, but um, I think I'm all in on Rosenthal. I really am. And I moved him up in my rankings for that reason. Again, March goes on. I, I learn more things. I find out more things about Statcast numbers and things that, you know, we can't learn everything about every player. I don't care that he got lit the other day. I mean, Sean Doolittle is getting lit every time he pitches, and he still may be the closer for Cincinnati. So
1: I don't, I don't see that But I don't see a path for Doolittle.
0: Who is their still- closer? Lucas Sims, here's a closer it's carousel. A, Sing it.
1: I very really very that. fair. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's the closer carousel.
0: And you're dancing when you're singing that and moving your fingers. People, you can't see this, but he is moving his fingers and dancing around his basement, talking I'm about the, the closer Bennett carousel. Dance, everyone, give me the number one. <laughs> who ends up leading? Who ends up leading the Cincinnati Reds and saves the season?
1: Lucas Sims with like 14. I'll say Amir I don't know. Garrett. I want to say I want to give you Amir Garrett, but I I just Amir Garrett. I don't know. Lucas Sims both had mild injury setbacks at the early part of spring training. It looks like they're both going to be okay, ready for opening day. Garrett, for T. sure. J. I Antone. Think.
0: Maybe TJ Antone,
1: Antone gets Antone's the dealing, But he's dealing with an injury and they've been working him up like he's a rotation candidate. And I do think that's Michael Leonard or Lawrence's job, but the absence and him not being prepped for a short relief role. You really think I love Antone. I just, I don't think anything when it comes to the Cincinnati Reds, I don't think anything where they're
0: closer. I'm going to just ignore it. Like if I'm in a league with marbles on the, on the line, there are certain situations I'm just ignoring. Like I have, I think it's Joakim story in Arizona, but I don't know. I don't want to deal with it. And by the way, like I wrote about the other Cleveland reliever, everybody, everybody's drafting James Karinczak in their top 10. Emmanuel Klaus could, Klaus could easily be their closer right now. He throws, a, he's a 100 mile per hour cutter, a good enough slider. They could easily, Karinczak walks everybody. He's walking everybody this spring. That could easily be Clace, Klaus, whatever, however you say his name. Um, the other situation with San Francisco. I'm going to
1: spoil, you. I have to spoil your phone and mention Nick Whitgren.
0: Yeah, he's absolutely in, in there too. Except I think, I hate to do it. You shouldn't hate to do it, but Clay's Clase, and I guess I'm going to say it both ways, both times, every time. Clase, those numbers are like his arsenal is fantastic. Yeah, like that's a hundred mile per hour cutter, people. I think I think right now I would take a shot on him in San Francisco with Jake McGee. Like that could easily be one one of the right-handers. What's that?
1: Class A was the the guy that we were excited would be Leclerc's successor in Texas. Absolutely. So let's not forget that that the enthusiasm we had really only got thwarted by the suspension and that that injury he had right before it.
0: Disappointed that Jonathan Hernandez did not is not healthy because he would ease. I think he would have been the closer for Texas, um, and I already drafted him on a couple teams like in NFBC leagues where I can't even replace him. And it's like that's disappointing. He might miss half the season now, and I wasted a pick. You know, that was like my second relief pitcher in one of my leagues. Not that I care. It happened anyway. That's it for the news of the day. We bring Kyle in now to talk about uh, trivia and hash browns and uh, the NCAA tournament because that's fun and it starts on Friday. Join our bracket. I, what do they win if they win our bracket? Do they win anything? We get their we answer their question on a show or Tristan Happy calls them wow. or, or what do we do?
2: Yeah, I don't know. What should the prize be? Maybe that should be it. Should be like a two year play because we won a year without March Madness. So the winner of this year. Gets to pick the prize for the winner of next year's bracket.
0: And we just That's go no in perpetuity and never winner, give it to anybody. Prize, yeah. man. I don't don't know. We'll think of
2: something. We'll think no. of something. I'm going to put no. that on you, Eric. You have to tweet it out before the game starts at noon on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: not going to happen. I don't, I don't we'll think, think of something. It I'll give, it, give, us, give us some proposals after the show. We'll we'll come up with something good. We'll pitch it around, yeah. we'll yeah. And we'll put
2: it on Twitter. Either way, Fantasy focused Baseball Tournament Challenge. Join the group. Me, Tristan, Eric, all in there. Come beat us. That's fun. I'm not in there yet.
0: I'm still on the. I'm still on the fence.
2: <laughs> still not sure. See if we see if this uh, fantasy focused baseball thing takes off. Uh, well, they get I, nothing. I don't want, I don't want to bet on that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, Kyle. They get nothing for beating me. It's winning the 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 bra- Winning our group. That's it. <laughs> oh no,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to you have to win the group, but you can, yeah. you can chirp at all of us if you're beating us. It's it's the best sporting event of the year. I don't think it's close. Oh. We'll start with some trivia, something you guys know a little bit more about. One pitcher over the past five years has at least 75 quality starts, but a sub-500 winning percentage. I want you to name him for me after Hash Browns. First Hash Brown is Justin. He wants to know why you both have Bundy over Ian Anderson. He wants to know your expectations for both this season.
0: You know, I saw that on the cesspool that is Twitter, and I thought, well, I, I, do, do I not rank Ian Anderson well because he's on Atlanta and I'm uh, a Phillies fan? I don't think that's it. I think it's just that, like what I saw out of Dylan Bundy last season. We all have our own biases. What I saw out of Dylan Bundy last season looked pretty legit to me. Like that was a guy who had control. He got out of the awful place of Baltimore. It's not an awful place. It was an awful. It's an awful organization. I think that's fair. And because I like Baltimore, I like the Harbor, but the point is like the Orioles mess up pitchers, not just Jake Arrieta and Dylan Bundy, lots of pitchers. And he got a new, a new change of scenery and they fixed whatever was wrong. And Dylan Bundy looked legit. And I think Dylan Bundy can do that again. Ian Anderson's barely pitched, right? I mean, like, how would you take a guy like that? And you're just assuming he's going to put up numbers again, Whereas Bill Bundy's twenty eight, he's been around for a long time. I, I don't know. I mean, Ian Anderson, I look at him; he's twenty two, and while that was a lot of strikeouts, it was also only one home run. I don't know. I tell me I'm wrong. You you win your leagues. I I don't know. I don't get it.
1: I don't think you're wrong though. Um, I mean, we both have them ranked. Have Bundy ranked higher? Uh, I think you encapsulated Bundy's story pretty well. the The only thing I'll add to that one is just that he's a weird example, and that he has dealt with diminished fastball velocity but he's compensated for it by easing off the pitch throwing it a lot less often and he's going with a splitter he added last year and he's leaning on the slider which is frankly i think his best pitch so it's a very complete set of pitches that he brings to the table and he's got evidence there and the fact that the chain of change of scenery didn't do well for him makes me optimistic in anderson's case it's still a very small sample as excited as i might be about him he showed a walk history in the minors and i wrote my notes He's got the Luis Castillo and Chris Paddock problem that he's got an amazing changeup. Are the rest of the pitches there yet? I think there is going to be a bit of an adjustment at some point. And I just, I'm just i just worried this it happen in 2021.
2: That's fair. Those are two good names to have as far as upside, though. Scott wants to know if Sean Murphy has Dynasty upside and if you treat the position the same in Dynasty as you do redraft and just punt on it as a whole.
0: Well, I do. I punt. He doesn't. So Tristan should answer this question. I mean, I do like Sean Murphy. He's young. He's got power, but he's still a catcher. He's not going to play as much as everybody else. So like if you're in a – like like Dynasty and Keeper Leagues are totally different things. I don't keep catchers in Keeper Leagues. And at Dynasty, I wouldn't mind having a young catcher. Like I keep drafting. And the people in my – I don't know who listens to this show. But like I'm in a million leagues, whether it's fantasy or sim. And I keep – I have shares of Jonah Heim of Texas everywhere. And I think he can hit enough to be like Sean Murphy in a year. I think he can defend enough to win that job. So I have, I have, I'm taking shares of young catchers like him. But in a dynasty format, I don't think I'd invest a whole lot to get Murphy. Whereas Murphy might go in a spot, or he might cost as much as a really good player, and or like an older power guy, like Eugenio Suarez. Like you could see Sean Murphy going ahead of Eugenio Suarez in a dynasty format. I wouldn't do it. Would you do it? He's a catcher. We all thought Wilson Contreras was going to be a star. Is he?
1: No. Yeah. Frankly, for, for Eugenio Suarez, no way. There is no way I would take Murphy over him, even in a dynasty league. Forget it. Um, I, I want to like Sean Murphy. The problem I have with him is he's had a very difficult time staying healthy. He's got the discipline at the plate, very good walk rate, feels the on-base percentage, has some decent pop not really in a great ballpark for it, but makes it work. But I just, the injury history makes me concerned. I would lean him towards, no, I wouldn't build around him. And to a degree, I really don't know how to answer the rest of that question about how would you treat catchers in dynasty. I think I would, I probably would punt. And you do need to, in a league that deep, take some chances if you find your guy. But the problem I have with catcher is that it's not just the, 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 Nick's, you know, the bumps and bruises, the durability, the wear and tear of the position. It's the fact that if you're a good hitter, they move you off that. I mean, I think of Francisco Mejia. It's a great example of why if you invest in a catcher, you might not even have them. Eric, you know, in, in the sim league we're in, every time I take a catcher prospect, either the guy ends up dealing with a, an injury history, falls into that, or he shifts off the position. Every single guy.
0: It's just not worth it to me. Uh, invest in other spots. I, in, in most dynasty leagues, I invest in starting pitching and uh, versatile hitting prospects, power, speed guys, um, outfielders, middle infielders. I don't invest in relief pitching and catching in a dynasty format. I try to rent them mm-hmm. from year to year. I do. Yep. And if that means this year I rent Yadier Molina and Trevor Rosenthal,
1: so be it. I can still win. I like that strategy. Build up excess everywhere else and just trade and deal with it during the year.
2: Consensus across the board there. Craig wants to add fun and or limit the burden for the long grind of a fantasy season. He wants to know if you guys have any advice to make the league a little bit more fun.
0: That's an interesting question because the word burden, Kyle, obviously this is not a burden. We get to talk about, write about, play about fantasy sports for a living. I love it. I'm very fortunate. I'm very lucky. It's not a burden. I think my answer to this question is going to be a little bit odd to some people. The, what limits the fun for me in some of my leagues is the actions and behavior of some of the people in my leagues so i love a league where there's no strife there's there's everybody's committed everybody plays it the right way i know that's a you know silly thing that Baseball announcers say he's playing baseball the right way. Brock Holt is, whatever. I'm saying play in a fantasy baseball league the right way. Don't be trouble. Um, don't always look for a loophole in your league. Don't always question everything that's happening. Don't be jerk jerk to the commissioner. And if you're commissioner, don't be a jerk to the people in the league. You know, pay your money on time, your marbles on time. Just be a good fantasy baseball manager or football or basketball that's fun for me when I'm in a league with my friends or my my cohorts, analysts in the industry, and and nobody's a problem. So I wouldn't use the word burden to answer this question, but I would say that it's more fun for me when there's no problems in the league, when I can just enjoy the baseball, you know, the weekly roster maneuvering and the trading. Don't be that guy that tries to rip or girl who tries to rip everybody off in your league. It's not going to work. We don't want you in the league. So my favorite leagues are the ones where Nobody in the league gives me a problem, <laughs> or or is a problem for the league. You know, is that fair, Tristan? Am I making sense here? Because it's not about the, it's not a grind to me. The six month baseball season is the best grind there is. I love baseball. I love football, basketball too as much. But I like the. It's not a grind. It's fun. I, I, you can fix things over six months. Where in football you maybe you can't. You know, in basketball, maybe you can't, but in baseball, you can fix it over a long period of time. So it's not a grind or a burden, but it can be if there's somebody in your league who's not acting like somebody that I want to act like.
1: How about that? Is that fair? Yeah. No, I think it's very fair. I think that actually encapsulates it well again. And, you know, I'll put aside the soapbox one I took the other day on this one. I, I think your, your point to, if you want it to be fun, you need to bring fun to the table yourself. And I think the best way to try in some years up here, at least my reaction to it, uh, same feeling. Think of the next manager. What is this experience like for the next manager, not just you doing it? That's something that I don't think people take a step back and think about too often. But I'll put soapbox too here. This is the other thing for me, in terms of the functionality of the league. <laughs> get vaccinated and get ready to get back to, quote, normal after all this thing. And once that happens... The best way in my experience to have an enjoyable fantasy baseball season is have a live draft in person with real people and enjoy the day's event. It is the best day of the entire calendar year for me is doing the draft of that fantasy baseball league with my friends and colleagues and and whoever else I have in the league that I've carefully selected and people I enjoy seeing and playing this game with. We need to all get back to that. And I actually do think that's going to improve things a lot for people who have gone through things and have found that it's a bit of a grind. And from a league standpoint, a little bit different on this one, one of the things, and Eric, I'm sure you're going to agree with me on this one. If you think that the season is a burden and it's just a grind, I get that from a lot of people that they don't enjoy the 180 plus days of playing this day in, day out, and that we have daily transactions and that it's all about who gets to the computer fastest, who cycles their lineup the most, who does the homework. If that's an issue, have a deep mixed league, I actually really like the 15-team format, have deep benches, make sure all of the relevant players are rostered, and make it a weekly league, weekly lineups, and transactions once and maybe twice a week. Preferably once, but if you need it, twice a week, and no more than that. And it's not a big burden. And then you're actually all doing your homework at the same time. You're all playing at the same pace. Some of my favorite leagues do exactly this. We do two transaction periods in my 12-team long-time keeper league. I really love that league. And it's because it actually keeps it very manageable but very insightful.
2: I like both those answers. I think they're good. And, I mean, we're, we're in the business of fun. For me, make a newsletter. Cycle it around. Let's say it's a 10-team league. Everybody does it once a week. So you got to do it like three, four times a year. Send it out. Preview the matchups. Break down the matchups that happened. Have fun with it. Be as funny, as analytical as you want. To Tristan's point, interaction, engagement, I think that's what we're all looking for here. This is entertainment. Like, at the end of the day, it shouldn't be a burden. Why are you – I don't I don't like doing laundry. Laundry is a burden. Like, yeah. so I just won't do it for a while, and that sucks when I have to. But, you know, you get the idea here. Have fun. Look for ways to have fun. What that means to me, what that means to Eric, what that means to Tristan, it's all going to be different. So I think everybody's – Got their own game here, but I think it's a great question. You need to have fun doing it. Last question here comes from Mark. 12-team, keeper league, 10 keepers apiece. He wants to know if it's worth keeping Otani in a league like that. It's a daily league where he's both a pitcher and a utility hitter.
0: In a league like that, you probably keep him. I mean, yeah. we need context of who else he has, but in a da- in a daily league where you when you know he's going to be in the lineup and you know he's going to pitch, I think – the fastest w- way to make a league a burden is make it a daily league, frank- frankly. But yeah. <laughs> um, in this case, with Otani, yeah, there's a lot of upside there. So I think you would want to take a chance.
1: By the way, thank God for the app. Because <laughs> without the app, it would be very difficult to do daily leagues. That's I, you know, I sit there on my phone and I make sure to schedule the one time a day to check the lineups and then put in my guys. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, the context drives this to a Yes. It's it's 120 players overall are being kept, and you can maximize Otani's value. That's exactly the place you should keep him. And because you said it's a keeper league that keeps that number, you you really do need to get guys who are going to help you in the short term. You're not building for ten years like you would in the dynasty.
2: I'm with you there. Greg wants you guys to know he's really good, to ha- really glad to have you guys back. And I want Greg to know we're really glad to have him back. It's Indeed, we're theater. here. We're getting close.
1: We're here. <laughs>
2: We'll circle back to trivia here. There's one pitcher over the last five years that has at least 75 quality starts, but a sub-500 winning percentage. Can either one of you experts name him for me?
0: We're not experts. They just put us on the show. Um, (laughs) And I don't even know why they do that. I I mean, the first name that came to mind is your favorite pitcher. I don't even think he's on a team. Rick Porcello. I mean... But he didn't he have like Club. a year where he was like eighteen and five or something. So he he did. Probably yeah, there.
2: one year he was yep. very close. I wasn't going to ask this trivia question if he was the answer. Okay, yeah. I figured that
0: was yeah. I figured that was safe there. That you know what I don't keep track of quality starts the way I do the other stats. So I'm trying to think of who would even have that many quality starts. I mean,
1: yeah, the sub 500 like that's pretty rough to be sub 500. To I go got go to be a bad team. I go to like durable. The, the trevor williams types who played for teams that gave him no run support but uh, trevor williams wouldn't have made 75 quality starts. it's like bumgarner I, I mean, I Garner.
0: A, like somebody like bumgarner who's been he durable 100 wouldn't be some,
1: 500. Wouldn't be some
0: 500 he might be
1: <laughs> maybe some larger <laughs>
2: could be some neither good. one of those are right i'm looking him up as we go here bumgarner's had multiple losing seasons <laughs> Bumgarner is sub five hundred, but he has seventy-one quality
0: starts. Like, Bumgarner didn't win ten games in any of the last like four or five years, Tristan. I, like he lost a lot of games. He didn't or he did not win a lot of games. So I so
1: Bumgarner like, to me is a Danny Duffy? I mean
2: Duffy,
0: I don't Dylan, think remember. Is it Dylan start. Bundy? It's not Dylan Bundy.
1: Oh Dylan Bundy, I hadn't thought of
0: that.
2: Uh, he probably it's wouldn't not. No. Duffy's just over five hundred, not enough quality starts just under 500, but not enough quality starts I
0: don't pay attention to like win loss record
1: like I go to Marco Gonzalez, but he won too often He'd nah, be he over won 15 games like right, right that's the that's the problem but it's a t- I play in a league that uses this and it's hard to do it on the five year cycle for uh, reference and-
2: yeah for reference there's only 13 pitchers that even have 75 quality starts over this stretch
1: Ooh. Yeah,
2: like I go into the, I go into the Lynn
1: territory, but Lynn probably is also, you know, just shy of either one of those. Um, is it Corbin? Lynn is
2: just shy. go. I think I heard the answer. Patrick Corbin? Corbin. Patrick Corbin is the answer. 45 and 46. Wow, or 46 and 47, record. I'm sorry.
0: Because he was pitching on a bad team for a couple of years, but he was durable. We loved him in fantasy. We didn't care about the losses. That's a, that's a guy that comes to mind because it can't be a Baltimore pitcher, or and we we knew it wasn't a San Francisco. I was thinking of Archer, but he probably didn't pitch, pitch enough. Um, Man,
1: that's a good question, Kyle. I actually just turned on a trade question. in my uh, in my six by six quality starts over wins keeper league for Patrick Corbin. I, maybe I shouldn't have been so dismissive.
0: I like him more than you do this year, and and his last spring outing was terrible. He walked like four or five, and I'm thinking. I shouldn't be looking at his spring numbers. Stop looking at his spring numbers, Eric. It's okay, not like well, – I'm just you ignoring keep, last year.
1: Well, so it's it's exactly like Mark's question. It's 12 teams, and te, uh, actually, no, it's 12 keepers in there. So it's 144 players get kept. Does he make the cut in that? It depends who else you have. It always does. I, I have a I have a keeper deadline
0: this weekend in, in a league I like. Great commissioner, good guys, no trouble. I've yep. been in the league forever. And I have to decide on Sally Perez uh, when I already have Rushman. And, it, you know, but it's two catchers. Um, so, like, Sal Perez, he's not doing that again, is he? But it might come down. Da- I'm trying to think who my other guy comes down. Oh, Sally Perez or Nate Pearson is is going to be my last keeper. And I want to keep Pearson. I think Pearson's going to be good. And P- I'm sure nobody in that league would listen to this show. They wouldn't demean themselves. But, like, would you keep Nate Pearson over Sally Perez? You're trying to win now. I have a team that can win now. And I think Pearson's is going to be great. I have enough starting pitching without Pearson.
1: Can I really keep Neep Pearson over Sally Perez? I can't. Can I? It's, it's the injury. It, 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 the injury effectively decides it for you. I mean, he's not going to be ready for opening day. And i we're making 20 starts this year. That's exactly what I'm worried about. A young player who has the durability question and who has the workload question, even if he was healthy, missing the beginning of the year and with no minor leagues to work himself back up, it's going to be difficult.
0: I mean, I hate doing that. I hate cutting. This is like a 16-team, 12-keeper league, and I'm cutting Nate Pearson. I don't think that I would recommend doing that, but I have other keepers that are better and I want to win now. Mm Mm-hmm. So, and Nate Pearson will be a first-round pick probably in this league.
1: Well, maybe he's your first-round pick in that league.
0: Maybe he is. All right. Final thoughts here: NCAA tournament. Um, the playing games are on Thursday. Can't wait for that. And then Friday, the real stuff happens around noon Eastern. I'll be watching some vatech uh, and. Uh, And then Drexel go dragons, and then of course they make me step past my bedtime to watch Villanova. I really appreciate NCAA. I try to go to bed same time every night. You know, very disciplined. And now I'm going to be past midnight watching Villanova lose to a one loss team. Kyle, you think Villanova is losing? There's a
1: there's an invention for you, or it's it's called coffee.
2: (laughs) Never, I have never cookie will get you through that game. Half a cookie could do it. No, it won't.
0: It won't. I'll I'll stay awake. I'm I'm not staying awake next week when the Sixers go out west. Come on, really? <laughs> yeah, that's oh, and and by the way, nice job, Flyers. Nice job. Nine nothing. I mean, Sixers. At least you didn't have MB. beat.
1: I wasn't going to say it. Rangers didn't have
0: it. <laughs> the best player, no coaches, and they win nine nothing. Okay, Kyle. Um, who is in your Final Four, and why is Gonzaga not
2: in it? I, I don't want you to yeah, give away well, all your secrets, but give away that one. It's a little bit of a game theory thing. I've got three 1-seeds, but the 1-1 one one seed isn't the one everybody has. So I've got Virginia beating Gonzaga. I have Iowa coming out of that region. The reason being, it's it's an upset. I get it. It's not a hot take, though. I've got math behind it. Virginia, much better offense than people realize, and they play at the slowest pace in the country. Gonzaga just wants to get up and run up and down the court, the fastest team in the bracket this year. So if I'm picking an upset, I want the favorite to be uncomfortable. I think they will be very uncomfortable if they play Virginia, if Virginia gets past this COVID stuff. If they're a compromised roster, I don't like this pick nearly as much. But if Virginia is at full, functioning, firing at all cylinders, I think we get the Virginia upset of number one Gonzaga, and it blows up everybody else's bracket.
1: You know I like it, Kyle. (laughs) You know I like it. (laughs) I could Uh, do it myself, but I like it.
0: And Kyle will hopefully be tweeting all weekend about NCAA Uh, basketball stuff. So if you want to win your bracket, he knows what he's talking about, people. And that's where he will be published on Twitter. Kyle's awesome at NCAA basketball and the brackets and all that. And uh, I guess I'll fill out a bracket, too. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? You know, I finish in last.
2: It's like
1: the you're Sixers been, winning without a beat. Oh, you, know? you just jinxed it. You don't jinx it. You never. have to beat
2: Eric's ponytail. That's the name of the bracket you have to beat. It's mano Imano. mano. You against your ponytail.
0: <laughs> you know, it is a pandemic. I understand you guys have risked your life to get haircuts, but I'm not doing it. My hair doesn't
2: grow in a ponytail. It goes, It's like an afro, if anything. This oh. is so
0: out of control. My hair is so out of control right now. I have even oh, I said to my wife the other day, okay, I, you're right. That's enough. Enough's enough. I can't I can't do it anymore. I mean, I I put it in a ponytail at the beginning of the show and the ponytail popped out just for me yelling on the show.
2: You must have a very understanding wife. That's thirteen months later you admit that she's right and that it should get cut. If I gave my <laughs> wife thirteen months to tell her like it's you know, we're done there. I mean there's just- there's no point in apologizing. You've been that
0: married point. for a long time. It's a little different. You've been married for like a year or two. But, um, <laughs> all right. I think we should stop now. I believe we're back on Monday for two a week or two a week until the end of time. But something like that. Enjoy the hoops over the next few days. If you're looking for more baseball before things tip off, Buster only has you covered on his Baseball Tonight podcast. So make sure to check that out as well. I'm tired. I need to eat lunch. That is it for today's show. Tristan Happy Cockcroft, and Kyle Sapi. Everybody have an awesome weekend. We're back on Monday.